We are live. Okay. Do you want me to do the intro? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I, uh, no, that's fine. I, I can do that. that part. Um. <clears throat> Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris, and with me today we have Brian. How you doing, Brian? Always good to be here, Chris. Good. And uh, we have a basketball-filled episode for you guys this this week. Uh, we gave you the option last week of kind of, uh, do you prefer a news dump or do you prefer a strictly basketball type of um, podcast. So this is going to be your example of what a basketball type podcast would sound like throughout the year. So hopefully you guys find this, you know, entertaining. Um, and make sure you let us know what you think. But uh, the basketball team provided us quite a bit of storylines, so we figured it'd be a good time um, as any to cover those. But we want to remind you guys that before we get into it today, today's episode, just like every episode, is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky cold snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. 8% of their profits are donated to causes uh, or organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw, that's freaking awesome. Montucky cold snacks, a light American lager for pow-pow rippers. Gator Wranglers, Pony Riders, and Badass Do-Gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. Alright, well, Brian is our basketball guru. So I'm going to, from here, let Brian kind of take it away. And I'm going to be here for commentary. But, uh, Brian, the court is yours, as it were. Alright, so, thanks, Chris. Since we recorded last, Idaho has played, we played two games. We lost two games. Uh, first to Eastern Washington in Moscow, lost 75-78 in a really heart, real heartbreaking fashion. Then lost at Montana. By the way, Montana is leading the conference. Uh, lost at Montana 63-67. Uh, I, that game was not quite as close, I feel, as the score indicated. We, we made a run at the end, but we're down for a while. But Chris... You watched the end of the Eastern game, is that correct? Yes, yeah, on the uh, the bus back from the UW game. So, one, can you can you give us a quick run through of the heartbreaking component at the end, which you saw? Yeah. Um, so this is one of the things I do hate about Pluto Sports, is it's impossible to find like a replay. Uh, because I really wanted to watch it and see if maybe I'm missing something because I've only gotten to see it once. But how I watched the final, you know, bit of the game, um, going off memory here, we were down, gosh, one or two points, something like that. We needed a basket uh, after some bad, you know, fouls, and we had the lead, and it was in a very intense end of the game, which is part of the reason we decided to leave the UW game. That's with TJ was we wanted to see if we could get back to watch the last bit of the Vandal game. When we were following it on the, the score app, I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to use data and pull this up on my phone. So we're on the bus watching it. And how I saw the last play 
is we inbound. I mean, obviously, we're going for a bit more of a deep inbound than you would normally do. Um, but seven or so seconds left in the game, something like that. Uh, passed it directly to the to the Eastern Washington player. Not even like it got tipped or, you know, the guy made an amazing cut on the ball. Um, you know, a, a Malcolm play, uh, Malcolm Butler for Seahawks fans. It wasn't like that where he came out of nowhere and, and got it. It was like he was standing there and we just passed it directly into his chest. And you're just like, that is that is the biggest vandal way to lose a basketball game is not even trying to make a play and turning it over, uh, trying to get a bad shot up and, you know, get steeled or you, you don't make the imba- – just passing it to the other team directly in their numbers. So much so that I'm surprised the guy caught it because I'm sure he was incredibly surprised when it hit him dead in the chest. But uh, it was a very heartbreaking way to go out because uh, we had the lead with just a couple seconds left. Uh, and I was like, we're going to pull this one out. This is, uh, you know, this is, could be the turning point of the season for this team. And uh, <laughs> I haven't watched all the games. Most of you guys know that. But, man, this one made me go, this is, I mean, I don't know how you could do this for a whole season. Like, I feel bad for the team because, like, this is them – um, gosh, what is it? They now have five conference losses, and the overall point margin is 13 points. So it's it's just over like 2.1 points a game they're losing by, which is just unheard of. Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit in comparing this year to last year. Um, but just for context, Eastern Washington was picked by the media, including me. Uh, I did the tubs at the club poll. Eastern Washington was picked to win the conference. They are in second place. They're tied for second place right now, four and two, eleven and six overall. We are one and five in conference, five and twelve overall, three and twelve against D one teams. But the bottom of the conference, which is Idaho right now, we are hanging tough with the top of the conference. So I mean, moral victories suck, uh, which is where we're at right now with basketball. It's not worth. It's it's important to not forget that is where we're at. We need to move beyond it. But um, this is a, you know, if we're going to be hanging tough and losing, at least it's to the top of the conference right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously later, and we'll cover this, we played Montana, who is number one in the conference right now. Um, you know what you just said? We had, we had a very close one, a unbelievably bad pass against the second-place team in the conference in Eastern. Um, and then you go down the list, uh, and there we are in last place now. But you just look at some of these losses, um, and they're two, like you said, the quality teams in this conference. Like, I know it's weird to say, like, I'm excited to see what we can do against the likes of, like, a Weber State, a team that's traditionally the top of the conference. But uh, you're looking at Weber State. Uh, I know we play Montana State. But there, there are some teams that if we're doing this against the top-tier talent of the big sky, uh, I, I'm going to like our odds as, as we move forward. Um, I think I was listening to Tutola Nuanes. Um, I guess we'll cover that after the Montana game, but uh, they had some comments on the Montana game. But, yeah, the Eastern game was just, I mean, we were down for most of it, and then we found a way just to be gritty and, and battle back. And you're thinking, this is it. Like, Idaho's going to turn the corner. This is the win they desperately need on this season, the proof that they belong, and that even in a what's cons- most of us consider to be a rebuilding year, and if you just tuned in and ch- checked the record, you'd be like, 
oh, that's about what I expect Idaho to be. One and five in conference, five and twelve overall. But uh, if you watch these games, we are a very deceiving five and twelve team. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I do you have anything else kind of on on the Eastern? Because the Montana game, I think, also sh- shows a lot about us. Because I mean, the fact that we had to travel to the number one team after having a heartbreaking loss at home. It's just, uh, man, it's, I'm feeling a lot better, which is why I wanted to get on this podcast was, um, I know they're not looking nearly as, I guess they're just about as good as they were last year, but, uh, and in ways better, but I don't know. I'm getting kind of excited about this. Yeah. One last thing on Eastern, our attendance was over a thousand, which isn't very much of course, but considering we've had two years, like last year, our attendance average is like 800, mm-hmm. and we have three D1 wins. So the fact that this team is starting to, is getting a few more people in the seats, at least against Eastern, I think that's a big deal. Because uh, one of the things that we'll be looking at in the next couple of years as we get a new coach, whether it's Coach Kloss in the future or we get a new coach, is we just like we need to rebuild the fan base in football, you know, our basketball team when Victor Sanders was there a couple of years ago, our attendance average was closer to 15 to 1800 in that range. Mm-hmm. And then it, it more than cut in half last year. Uh, so we, we have to rebuild the men's basketball fan base too. Uh, so getting the one, the fact that the team's least competitive is going to be helpful there and seeing some, you know, games over a thousand in the count spectrum, it's nothing to be too ecstatic about, but it's, po- it's positive news. Yeah. Especially when, um, Gosh, correct me if I'm wrong. We play one more year after this in Cowan and Mem Jam, and then ICCU is open. I believe so. So if yeah, pending you know anything weird, but I believe that's the target date is like January. So I think they'll start that next season in Mem Jam, like they normally would. But mm-hmm. instead of midseason moving to the Kibby, they'll be moving to um, ICCU. So you have this year, which I mean. In a way, I started following it a little bit more um, and have been pleasantly surprised. And I'm hoping that maybe some other vandals out there are kind of viewing it the same way. That if you can build some fan interest right now, and then you can kind of capitalize on this going into next season, which I'm not totally, and you can you know educate all of us on this. I'll be playing the role of average listener here. Um, the team has a lot of new people. I know a lot are like transfers in, but... Most of this team should be back next year, except Trayvon, um, which means you know it's only room to grow. If they decide Zach Klaus is the right guy, like hopefully they can build on this. Then you have a whole other season, and then um, in twenty twenty one, you're playing in the ICC arena, and I mean, I believe the capacity on that's going to be like forty three or forty five hundred. If you're doing a thousand right now, in let's be honest, a not very fun place to watch basketball. And a not very fun team to watch basketball. Um, I can't wait to see what happens when we have a, a nice arena that it feels more like an outing to go to. Like if you're just uh, a local Moscovian or Mos- I God, I don't remember how this pro- <laughs> local Moscow person and Moscovite, Moscovite, and uh, you're just like, oh, you know, it's Thursday night. Let's go get some dinner and then let's go check out the men's and women's hoop team. But um, yeah, and then. On the Eastern take, too, the women 
absolutely had a had a great game against Eastern. Uh, also, well, it was sloppy, but they won, and they just keep doing their thing, which is awesome. Um, which, God, real quick, I don't remember if it was Eastern or Montana. I think it was the Montana game. But uh, so maybe this will be a way we lead into this. Did you see the? I believe it was the Argonaut or the Lewiston Tribune's <sighs> headline for the women's game. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I know exactly. It, it, now Colton Clark said it was cut off. Now for listeners, we are not endorsing this type of headline. It just happened. Um, the headline was. Like, was Clinker, like Clinker sisters, sisters have double, double D's, D's or something like yeah. that. The Clinker yeah. sister double D's. Yeah, which we're not endorsing that headline. We're hoping that uh, whoever wrote the headline understands that was kind of a mistake. Very often the be- the people who write the articles don't write the headlines. Yeah. So I don't know who's responsible for the headline. Uh, we kind of joked a bit with Colton Clark, mostly about just being an ugly headline. And he said when it, gets cut in half it looks worse than it was but it was not a good look yeah for the paper uh but just uh jumping back to win really quick they were they beat eastern 69 60 then they beat then they beat montana 52 51 the women's team right now is 10 and 5 overall 5 and 1 in conference undefeated at home uh this looked like it was going to be a rebuilding year except they they're at the top of the conference what they do is just unreal, but yeah, uh, the I will say, I mean, obviously, hindsight twenty twenty. I hope this is what the person was going for, because um, the team deserves to get talked about. And I will mm-hmm. say, I've had more people message me about women's basketball after that than I I ever have after a tournament win. Doesn't make it right, but if you're looking for a glass half full approach on that, yeah, people. They looked in and was like, what are they talking about? I mean, obviously, I think most people can put together it was in reference to scoring a Mm -hmm. double-double. But uh, people tuned in, and now they know that this team's on fire, and hopefully it's enough to capture some interest. But, yeah, that was an interesting headline. It was uh, TJ who messaged me and was like, did you see – I will plug him. It was Barstool Idaho that um, I at least – I'm the one who saw shared around social media – and that's why I'm not sure if it was the Lewiston Tribune or the Argonaut, but it's one of the papers, I'm assuming, at the Corner Club. But um, he was like, oh, God. I'm like, that's not a good look. But then I started to think about it, and I'm like, you know what? But a lot of people are going to read this and then look into the women's basketball team, which they probably wouldn't have done otherwise. Um, so yeah. bad mistake, but I guess capitalize on somebody else's misfortune. And if you're the women's team, be like, yeah, we've got your attention now <laughs> for the wrong reason, but we'll keep it for the right reasons. Yeah, the women's team right now, just to just for the record, they are a half game out of first place. Montana State, Idaho's five and one. Montana State six and one. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year for Idaho, where we lost two of the best players in program history, and Idaho women's basketball doesn't rebuild; they reload. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if we get back to this later. Obviously, congrats to John Newley. Congrats to people like Gina Markson, the Clinker Sisters, Beyonce B. All the everyone who's kicking ass for Idaho. Congrats to you guys. Um, I don't I don't know what else to add there other than it's it's great that they're kicking ass, and I hope more people start going to the games. Oh, actually, a, a question I have for you. Yeah. Uh, just you know, this is just a just a question. Um, 
not trying to be like a women's basketball Title IX expert here. Let's just pretend that for a second Title IX says this is okay. Okay. Women, if the women played their home games in Mem Gym, how would you feel about that? Uh, as in permanently or? Until there's enough people showing up that there's an environment, then transition like mm. to the ICCU. I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I guess I'm not totally aware of the attendance. I mean, I see, for those of you who don't know, Martin is usually the one taking pictures of that. Um, attendance and at the games for us because he's the one still um, well planted in Moscow for us. But uh, I mean, I don't know enough about the attendance numbers. Are they really? Are they doing that bad? That I mean, are they any that significantly worse than the men? That versus like, Eastern seven hundred twelve. Okay. Although it was a five thirty start, so we'll forgive that. Uh, versus Montana seven ninety. Yeah, and I mean, what's the capacity of Cowan? It's like. It's in between five and six thousand. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, I mean, I could see you want to make the inti- like intimate uh, environment, but uh, I guess I would give it like ask John Newley and do a team poll. Like I yeah. would never force them to go into the gym, but if they think it gives them a competitive advantage because it feels like because that is such a weird gym, um, yeah, that it'll feel like the fans are right on top of you. But then I'm just wondering, like I said, not a women's basketball expert here by any means, what is the, like, attendance nationally for women's basketball? Especially if you take out, like, the Yukons and the Tennessees and the Baylors and Stanford's, you know, the teams that everybody knows is good all the time. Like, what does, like, a Boise State draw or Washington State, Washington? Like, are they really doing that bad? Because I'm afraid that, like, you move them in the gym, like, because Mem Gym is outdated. How does that affect our recruiting, you know? I feel like being able to show or recruit a game in Cowan where you can see five, yeah. 6,000. Like we said, it's not the nicest facility, but it's a lot nicer than the Mem Gym. Um, I think it kind of differentiates you from, like, a one of the UC schools or one of these that do play in, like, legitimate gymnasiums, not gyms that are made for sp- spectator sports. Like we're talking, like, High school quality brick wall at the end of it, mem gym like gyms. I think that's one thing that would have hurt. So I guess I would, I would give it up to Newly and the girls if they want to move it because they think it benefits them. I would one hundred percent not stop them from doing it, but then I don't think I would force them into the gym because oh yeah yeah. So the and just so our listeners know uh, to make sure that I'm not sounding like a jackass about women's sports. The reason I brought it up at all is that. Idaho State's men's basketball team used to play in Holt Arena Mm -hmm. where they could get 5,000 people in there and it would still feel empty. They chose to move their games into Reed Gym, which is kind of like their memorial gym, except it seats more. Mm -hmm. They did that for both men's and women's basketball because they felt it gave them a competitive advantage. I have seen a little bit of Idaho State on Pluto TV and their games look like they have an atmosphere now. And uh, I mean, by the way, Idaho's men could do the same thing now based off what we're drawing at Mem Gym, if we, especially if there's bleacher seating. <clears throat> uh, but that, that was the reference point I had is we have a team within the state of Idaho who's done that. And it appears to be a step in the right direction for that team. Yeah. Um, but I, I was just curious about how other people might feel about get it, trying to get more, create a home court advantage via atmosphere. Yeah. And then I guess I got a weird question on that too. While we play uh, athletic director here, 
<laughs> and Coach Newley. Um, start times. I was kind of thinking, like, I think on weekends it kind of makes a lot of sense to have the girls and the guys play at, you know, the same pretty much back-to-back. But on weeknights, kind of what you're saying, with the 5.30 start, do you think it would benefit the team? And, I mean, I know we have a couple former players and current, maybe some current players that listen, so maybe they know. Uh, DM us. We'll keep it, you know, confidential. But, uh, like, do you think that maybe it might be beneficial for the women's team to play their weeknight game on a different day than the men? Like, do you think more people would go out if it's like, oh, I'm going to go check out the women instead of, like, I'm going to go watch the women and then have to stick around for the men. Like, I'm wondering if they had a day to themselves that people were more likely to go than having to be there for four or five hours because you're watching back-to-back games. Now, the Eastern Eastern is uniquely scheduled back-to-back. Mm-hmm. So, like, against Mo- – when the women played Montana, they were in they were in Moscow. The men were in Missoula. Yeah. But they do have some games like that. I mean, at least I know they used to because when I was um, you know, a student, I did the whole vandalizers thing. Yeah. And so we would show up to the men's games a little bit early to get the seats and do stuff like that. I mean, it, to be honest, it wasn't that <laughs> impressive. Yeah. I, and I doubt it's any better now. Um, but I remember that the women's game would still be going on while we were figuring all this out. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I, I never knew it until I was going to the games early. That the, I mean, I know they have sand, or, yeah, sandwich boards all around campus and game tonight and everything, but, like, I don't know. I got other things. I'm going to class. I'm not reading a sandwich board. I'm about to have my nose in a textbook for an hour. So um, I don't know. I just thought it was a cool idea. But then I was thinking about it as an adult when, you know, I was on my way to the University of Washington because we got some tickets to watch them play the Beavers. And I was sitting there, and before we left, we were watching the Vandal women's game against Eastern. And I was just sitting there. I'm like, man, I can't believe, like, Martin, for instance, is sitting through this game, then waiting for the teams to warm up, and then sitting through the next game. When, like, I was already, after watching part of the women's game, debating if I wanted to go watch in-person basketball. Mm. So So the only answer I have for that is the men and women play back-to-back like that only against Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, well, that, that makes the, more sense. Yeah, the the rest of it, the travel schedule is done differently. Okay. Well, there you go. There's, there's the answer then. Because, yeah, uh, that, uh, that obviously stood out to me. I was like, that seems like a cool idea for, like, a Saturday when people have more time. But yes. a Thursday night, like, people got stuff to do from 5 to 10. Yeah, they do. Um, I'm going to jump to the Montana game. We'll just run, run over that real quick. Yeah. Because there is something I want to talk about the Montana game, which is Montana. This now this is something that happened in football too in, in our first year in the Big Sky, where we Idaho became a marquee game for a few teams. Mm-hmm. Montana had their best attended game of the year when we traveled to Missoula. Uh, they had four thousand two hundred seventy nine people. This for this season or the original? Uh, for this year when oh, we wow. ca- when Idaho's men traveled to Missoula. Wow, because they're doing really well, and um, I don't know. You, the Grizz fan pod kind of touched on some basketball here and there. Um, I, and I I've understood it as they were having not. I I mean I think I remember them bringing up that they're having some minor attendance issues, but uh, and like you know them 
they're kind of like doing what we do with the student attendance for football. We're kind of like, you know, when I was there, like you were there 40 minutes early in your seat, mm-hmm. ready to go. And, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, wow, that I'm actually surprised. I would have assumed Missoula was having multiple sellouts, uh, because I mean, they're, Won the conference last year, if I'm correct, right? They're the team that represented us in the tournament. They've won it two years running. Yeah, and, um, man, I, that, I'm like, I know they lost to Montana Tech or whatever the Butte school is. Yeah, Montana Tech. Which probably is pretty deflating, but most people probably weren't paying attention then because right in the midst of them making a playoff run in football. Um, and now I just pulled up their schedule. I mean, I guess. They do have some pretty bad losses for the ones that they do have losses for. But, I mean, they're challenging themselves. They played number eight Oregon at Oregon. So, I mean, that's not necessarily easy. And then Northern Colorado, that's a bad one. Beat Eastern pretty handedly. Beat Portland State pretty handedly. Struggled with us. But, I mean, it felt like they were in control for pretty much the whole game. Just we hung around. Um, Lost to Washington handedly. Arkansas handedly and Stanford by 11. So, yeah, they have some bad losses, but still, I mean, how's their home schedule? Uh, NAU at home, Sac State at home, Portland State, Idaho. So they just haven't had a really good. I mean, their best home game so far, other than us, is probably NAU or North Dakota. Yeah, so Montana's basketball team ran. They actually, I think, did to the Montana. Montana's schedule did to their men's basketball team what our football schedule did to us early on, when their one games are scheduled for money purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why a team like Montana has Stanford, Arkansas, uh, University of Washington, uh, and University of Oregon in their non-conference schedule. Mm-hmm. Those are money games. But when you lose all of those, it's re- – I mean, Montana's record right now, they're at the top of the conference. Uh, they had – they were 4-8 and eight at the end of the out-of-conference season in with a loss to Montana Tech as well. Uh, so that, I think, explains why maybe their attendance was lower early on is – one, it was a lot of new players on that team, but second – it's hard to get people to go out to a team that they expect to lose. Yeah. So they probably, I mean, the they've won five of their last six, which uh, which is pro was probably important for them get to get attendance like they did against Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just think they you know they did the inverse what our football team did, which is they in a streak where they needed to win games they did uh, when the conference season started. Uh, but you know if you we've seen this on our own end. If you kill enthusiasm heading into home games, it's hard to get a lot of people there. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're very well versed in that, that concept, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, the Monta- Montana game was interesting. Um, cause I had, and I mean, you know this, but now I hope most of our listeners know this by now. Um, if you're looking for overall big sky stuff, Especially basketball. Uh, football's gotten a lot better with all the podcasts and blogs and everything like that. But uh, Tutel and Nuanas out of Missoula are by far the best. Um, and so, obviously, it was like you said with football. Like, when you know you're playing Montana, you're excited because you're going to hear professional radio people covering the team. Um, and 
I was listening to their podcast. They had some audio from the game. And, you know, they brought up the whole point that, like, this is Idaho's biggest conference loss of the season by margin, and it's only four points. Like, they even brought up how ridiculous it is to lose the, the games that they're doing by these margins. And they the point that they made is they think that Idaho is going to be that team that come conference tournament time is not the team you're going to want to see because this team is – filled with so many transfers that they're starting to gel and you can see it like eventually if you keep losing these close games it is going to be just ultimately super deflating and you won't recover but if they can get a couple of these to start falling and it starts clicking and they get in a rhythm it's too late i think for them to be good enough to win the conference uh in in the tournament or obviously in the standings with five losses already um it take a miracle by us and just about everybody else but um, I think they made a great point that if they were Montana, they one, they don't want to see us uh, in, Miz- or in Moscow in a couple weeks. They're like, that game looks a lot tougher now. And then when it's down in Boise, like there's a good chance Idaho could win a conference game or two. Like I said, they're not going to the championship. They're not winning. They're definitely not going to the NCAAs. But, you know, this is that team that – uh, like we said, you're you're building momentum, and, they, and if these guys start clicking and they can get some of these to fall their way, so they don't just keep deflating themselves by like, oh boy, we just lost again. Um, they could be a dangerous team. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, we could be a dangerous team. Um, one of the, I mean, now just so that we're talking, giving people a little bit more about individual players. One big difference for us offensively. Trayvon Allen's doing a lot better this year on the offensive end than he did last year. Last year, he averaged uh, 13.9 points a game in conference on 12.7 shots, which is barely above a point per shot. That is the definition of just a, hey, good stats, bad team kind of guy. This year in conference play, Trayvon Allen's averaging 21.2 points per game. Huge jump out of him. Leads a conference. He will likely make one. If he keeps playing like this, he's going to make one of the all-big sky teams which he was not considered for that last year because uh, he was just not that great. He's made big strides. He's getting a, he's getting the free throw line a, an extra time per game, and he's shooting threes good enough, um, and he's one of our only three shooters at all. Um, but if he keeps playing like this, he's, you know, he's a top-tier guard in the conference, mm-hmm. and then other things for fans to look at. Uh, the continued development, you're going to hear this a thousand times, Jack Wilson is a potential big deal for us. He had his maybe his worst game of the season against Montana. That was a great example of, uh, as I said last week, his brain is one step ahead of his feet. Mm-hmm. But um, him and Scott Blakeney combined, are their stats are that of an all-league post, which means we, if because Jack Wilson's a good athlete, and if Scott Blakeney can continue to extend his shooting range, they could play at the same time next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other thing for us, too, is I believe Markel Frazier should be able to be back next year because I believe he got a medical redshirt. Yeah, he's a redshirt junior. Uh, and, you know, he was missing as much time as he did last year due to injury and surgery. He is probably going to be better by the end of the season than he is right now. And he's probably the best athlete on the team at this point. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess you have these numbers. What? 
What are our total returning? Like, are we're losing Trayvon? Is that it? Or how many seniors are on this team? I'm trying to whip the roster up real quick, but. Well, that, yeah, give me a second. Yeah, well, uh, real interesting content for you guys. We're uh, This is us clicking to open up the roster stuff. Uh, of people who play, we're losing Trayvon. We're losing Quentin Forrest. He's a grad transfer. We're going to lose. That might be it. We have a lot of juniors on the team. We don't have a ton. No, yeah, that's it. It's just Trayvon, which, by the way, that's 21 points a game. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And um, Quentin Forrest. And a guy a lot of people haven't seen play who he might be a big guy for. He was he actually was starting to come along against North Dakota State. B.J. Simmons scored 20 points, and he hasn't played since because huh. he, he was injured. He could be a guy who helps replace some of Trayvon's scoring next year. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. So I'm just this just baffles me because of the reason that uh, when I got to see them in Moscow, or sorry, in Seattle against Seattle U, they had only like seven or eight players. Like we were so shallow on the bench. I'm like shocked now that I've, I found the roster and we've got. Uh, a pretty hefty roster. Yeah. Well, at different times this year, like Javeri Christmas is back. He was injured for a while. Uh, Damon Thacker has been a, I don't think he's missed any time to injure. Well, actually no, Damon Thacker did miss time early for injury. Um, BJ Simmons has been out for injury with injury for a while. Uh, we played Gabe Quinette from Moscow high school. Who's supposed to redshirt this year. Um, Babakar Theombane missed time with injury earlier. Kadeem Sam hasn't played this year. Who Maybe they're choosing to redshirt him, which might be great for us. And Jack Wilson wasn't eligible until the end of the fall semester. That's five guys. And Jack Wilson's the Oregon State transfer, correct? Correct, correct. Um, I see an interesting one. Are you are you on Go Vandals, or where are you getting the roster from? I'm, I'm at Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Is Jackson Woodward on there? Jackson Woodward. Let me check. Because on ESPN uh, they have him listed. Um, it's a freshman for yeah, freshman from Seattle, but there's no picture. Yeah, he's on the football team. What the fuck? Okay, I don't. Yeah, he's out of I, Seattle Prep. We signed him as a wide receiver in last year's recruiting class. That would be interesting. I mean, it's not unheard of for football players to play basketball, especially well, I mean, if we've had some injury problems. Well, I mean, Matt Linehan tried to speak that into existence when he was here. Yeah, and that and was something that we promised Dion Watson. We also, I mean, and this happened in the Big Sky last year. Well, what happened this year is a guy from Portland State, Deontay Strickland. He played basketball there for four years, and then he was going to play football as a kind of like a grad transfer situation, mm-hmm. but then he was killed in a shooting this summer. Um, but uh, the, but the long story short of that is I have no idea about Jackson Woodward, but it it's not unheard of. Yeah, for guys to because I mean I, Julie, Julius Peppers did that at North Carolina. Yeah, or yeah, huh? Yeah, I just when I scrolled through the roster, that name stood out to me because obviously um, at the t- last year's recruiting class, I lived right next to Seattle Prep, and so when I saw we signed a prep kid, I was like, hey, look at that. <laughs> And then I see his name on the basketball team, just, whew, 180 there. But, yeah, it doesn't look like he has any game splits or anything. So 
maybe it is they're just shallow and uh, got Paul Petrino's blessing because I mean he's not getting a ton of time on the football team. Not terrible to have him playing if if he can get some time or at least practice. Um, but yeah, that we just discovered a storyline. Jackson Woodward apparently is on the basketball team now. But yeah, but uh, it's football season. Yeah, but yeah, so hopefully until football season because I actually have some good hope in him down the line. But uh, back to the original point we're making: young team. I mean, not young in terms of there are a lot of juniors and sophomores on the team, but uh, mm. we're only losing two players next year you know pending transfers and everything like that which we obviously experienced last year which was already a pretty uh, i guess two years ago was a very senior heavy team but uh it's uh surprising and it it makes these results even more um enjoyable because even though that there are losses like you said moral victories or whatever there are losses that we can point at and be like yes but as these guys grow and gel together and, yes, we're losing Trayvon Allen. But I watched this against Seattle U, and Trayvon was in a boot, and they competed. Like, they they weren't bad. Um, and that was, what, five, six games into the season? So, like, they were just still getting to know everybody. But um, I, I hope for the basketball team as the season progresses. Like I said, not getting my expectations very high to, like, we're going to win out the conference tournament or, but like I said, I think we might be, we're a team that's going to ruin somebody else's season in the tournament. These guys are going to start gelling. We're going to win some down the line. Uh, we've seen that we can compete with Eastern, ex- especially Montana. We can hang close with um, Montana state. We, you know, we beat in Portland states. So, yeah. We're, we're, we're doing all the right things. We just need the ball to literally start bouncing our way a little bit. Uh, unlike the football team, uh, there's a lot of hope in this team because, honestly, they're exceeding our expectations. I thought this team was going to be worse than last year's team. Uh, and they're li- <laughs> if they didn't win another game all year, they would be just as bad. Which, that's a great transition point. I, wanted, I had a question for you, uh, Chris. Yeah. It has to do with final year of Don Verlin – uh, compared to year one, maybe only year of Zach Kloss. Um, what's your take, Ben, on how like how you'd compare these two years? Um, God, it, it the thing with Verlin, especially because I'm one of the guys who I I oh, I was a fan. I also after we got knocked out when we were the one seed, or no, we finished as the two seed when we were projected to be the one seed. And then we lost in the first round or second round to, like, northern Colorado or North Dakota or something. I was pissed. And I said some tweet, like, he's taking us as far as we're going to go. He lifted us from being a awful football team or basketball team uh, and brought us back into being relevant to wherever year you feel like, you know, there, there's a chance. Um, the, fa- the fact that he only had, what, one, two, three. That was his first. I guess never. So it's six losing seasons, but I mean to compare it last year. For those of you who don't have the stats pulled up in front of you, we finished two and eight in conference. So we'd have to win one more conference game to tie that, uh, and we finished five and twenty-seven overall. Don Verlin's worst season, other than that, came in two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen, nope, two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen, when he went twelve and eighteen. Otherwise, we literally hovered at slightly above 500, 17 and 16, 19 and 14, 18 and 14. 
Uh, Twenty-one and thirteen was a good year. That was the year I specifically came back to Moscow to try to watch that team because I thought for sure we were going to the tournament. Uh, but I, I just don't want to judge Verlin on his literally his one bad year because even in those years where we lost, they were just down years. That that was a bad year last year. Um, and unfortunately, we we won't get a no. Uh, I don't know. I feel like. As someone who wanted Verlin out, I feel bad because I feel like Verlin's getting this bad rap now when people forget that all time at Idaho, he's 80 and 80, which before he came in, we would have, if you could have told us, we would have had a coach that would have stayed with us for 10 seasons or 11 seasons and go 500. We would have been like, where is this guy? Sign him up right now. In my opinion, at least. All right. So I'm going to not disagree with any of that. I'm only going to talk about Verlin last year because, as we all know, coaches. You're only as good as co- your last year. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't mean to diminish Verlin. Verlin did real work at University of Idaho, mm-hmm. um, and I was not happy with how he was fired. I have no reservation though this year saying we are getting a better effort out of Zach. Kloss. Oh, they're trying so hard. It's uh, that's why it's so fun to watch. Which I, I want to just bring up. There's one key stat that I want to go over with everyone. Uh, and this is how, if you're ever into betting, this is a stat to look at in basketball. By the way, football too, but you have to know the schedule of football a little better. In basketball, scoring margin is one of the best predictive indicators of whether a team is good, bad, or okay. Last year, Idaho had the worst scoring offense and the worst scoring defense yielding a scoring margin of negative 14.2. So on average, we got our ass kicked every night. This year, our scoring mar- our our offense is about as good as it was last year. Sa- same points per game at about. Uh, Idaho's scoring 67.7 points per game this year. Last year, we scored 65.1. So two-point difference, really not that much. On the defensive end, huge improvement. Our scoring margin is negative 0.3. It's the fourth best in the conference. There's only three teams that have a positive scoring margin. That's Southern Utah, Montana, Northern Colorado. Those are Montana's in first place, Northern Colorado, Southern Utah are tied for second with Eastern. Idaho is the only, Idaho's number four, point three. And I believe he is, Zach Claus is doing just as well offensively with less offensive talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we lost Cam Tyson to University of Houston. Which is, I, you know, we're never going to... He probably would have gone anyway. Uh, well, I mean, he would. He left before Verlin was fired, so we knew he was gone. Um, Jared Rodriguez left after Verlin was fired. He got immediate eligibility granted at San Diego. He's averaging about six, in between six and seven points per game at San Diego, but he's getting run at a school that is a better basketball school in Idaho right now. Rayquandis Mitchell transferred after Verlin was fired. We, we would kill to have Rayquandis Mitchell right now. Mm-hmm. Because we just don't have any shooters. Raekwon is Mitchell transferred to a junior college in Minnesota where he is a top 20 junior college prospect right now. He is he has offers from Portland in the WCC. He has an offer from Pacific. He has an offer from San Diego State. He has an offer from South Florida, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, North Florida, St. Bonaventure, and Jacksonville State. Um, we would have killed to have him on our team this year, but he, act, he act, when I learned he left, I didn't think it was a big deal because he looked terrible with Verlin last year. 
but he's obviously going to move up the basketball reign. The basket. He's going to move on to another good to a better school. So great for Rayquandis. If we would have had those two on this team right now, with Coach Kloss, that's a real good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, J- Jared Rodriguez was looking like one of the a very he was looking like a Stephen Madison kind of clone. Uh, if he can score inside outside, but he, he's gone now, so we lost that. And we lost Raquanis Mitchell, who maybe he's just in a better offense than Idaho's offense. I talked about all last year. I thought our offense was terrible for guards, considering we had wing-centric skill. Yeah. We did not run a wing-centric scheme. Coach Claus is running essentially the same offense and same defense that Verlin did. Uh, but we're getting better results. And I don't know, other than to say, and sorry about filibustering, man. But, um, no, no, you have more to say than I do on this. What I thought Verlin did last year would be the football equivalent of Mike Leach signing Derrick Henry and still running the spread, not using Derrick Henry at running back, not just letting him block sometimes. We like our our skill was all in the wing and we didn't run a wing friendly offense this year. The the talent they recruited probably matches the system a little better for what they're doing. But I don't think we have more offensive talent. I think we have significantly less offensive talent this year. But yeah. we're performing at right about the same level. Defensively, huge step up. Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I, I think you, <clears throat> uh, I think you kind of nailed it on the head there with like, and I think it goes back to you were bringing up earlier, and this is like kind of what I thought you were going to make the point when you were talking about gambling that uh, a stat to look at, especially when we talk about how tr- like hard these guys are trying when you look at it. Um, mm. Like, you just look at how they play under Klaus. Uh, defense. The fact that this team is doing so much better defensively, because defense is effort. Offense is, you know, a little bit more schematical. It's getting the guy to his spot first and being able to shoot or, or make mm. your shots. D- defense is effort. It's putting your body on your guy and powering it through screens and, you know, not – taking a second off that if the ball handler makes a mistake, you're able to capitalize on it and get a steal or someone drives the lane. You've got to, you know, slide and make a block. And then you got to box out and get rebound. Like defense is effort. Um, and you just see that so much more out of this team, which is why I think the defensive stats look so great. Um, the one thing, and maybe we'll just keep asking you this uh, every week on the, the cost thing. But I mean, after these two performances, their losses again. Are you higher on Zach Kloss? I, I, I guess what's your temperature level like? If we had a, a scale here, who is he a favorite to win the job? Are you still thinking interview? But probably go with somebody else. Definitely interview. Yeah, I, I feel that. I mean, he's earned cons- an interview. Even if we don't win another game, I think the, how he's come in this year. He at least deserves an interview, but I'm yeah, talking the legit I mean, shake at it. We don't know what his recruiting philosophy would be. Uh, we don't know whether he would – I don't know if – like let's say he could just recruit a team of his own 12 guys. I don't know how – there's no way he's going to recruit fewer shooters than we have this year. I think this was just an accident that we have so many non-shooters. Um, I definitely think he needs to be considered. I still think Idaho fans need to keep in mind we have three D1 wins. He's got to pick up – some of these close games have to turn into wins. Yeah, I mean definitely. 
If, if we finish the year with five wins, I mean, I don't think you can give him the job. Uh, especially back to kind of your point, I was just curious on it. Finally got the stat up. Um, in comparison to Verland's first year, compared to Zach Kloss's first year, Verland took over a eight and twelve team and a five eleven whack team. You know, in conference, not very mm. good. Uh, he Which, turned... and just for context, at the time the WAC was a pretty good conference, yes. essentially the Mount, what the Mountain West is today. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, just look at most of their powers now. Like with Nevada, Utah State, Boise State, like those teams were all in the WAC. Um, mm. Fresno State. Yep, Fresno State. Um, New Mexico State. Yeah, even a, a lot of yeah, New Mexico. State. There were a lot of very good va- basketball teams, um, and always a tournament worthy team out of there every year. Um, which we can't always say for the Big Sky, which is why they always get 15 or 16 seeds instead of, like, 12s. Um, but Verlin took a team that was 8-12. and 12. So, comparable. It, it had three more wins than um, what Klaus got this year, without coming off the Vandals being 5-27 and 27 last year. And he turned it into a 17-16 and 16 season, going 9-7 and seven in the WAC, tied for third, and a CIT quarterfinal appearance. So, I mean, it's not fair to compare apples to oranges, especially when that was in 2008 in an entirely different conference with different teams. But like we said, it was a tougher conference, and you're coming in with pretty, you know, lackluster recruits, I would imagine, because I just, I mean, George only made it, I don't how do you pronounce his name? I always forgot. But Peffier or whatever, yeah, he, he, Two seasons and got canned. So, um, oh, Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to believe that. that. That's how long Verlin's been here. It's crazy. Um, mm. But uh, Aki was still the coach of the football team. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, I'm just coming. Don Verlin was the right hire, I thought at the time. You know, coming off of uh, what's that guy? Utah State's Morin, whatever. Moral. Yeah. Stu Moral. His, his system, I was like, that that was the right hire. If you can't get a Gonzaga person, which I'm not convinced a Gonzaga person might work at Idaho, Utah State, comparable school. It's more rural. I mean, Logan's not super rural, but, you know, more rural, and you're competing with bigger schools in your area. Like, they're competing with Utah State and B, or Utah and BYU. At Idaho, at the time, we were competing with Washington State and Boise State. Uh, you know, a little bit bigger schools and then more desirable areas. Um, you know, not Washington State, but bigger school. You're in the Pac-12 there. Where um, Utah at the time was, for Utah State, was only uh, still in the Mountain West. But, you know, I thought the Utah State hire was right. Now, Claus coming in, he's on the Verlin tree. So, in a way, you're, you're still getting a bit of that. But he wasn't on the staff, I don't believe, at Utah State. So... I'll, I'll just be curious to see. Maybe it's a good thing because maybe Utah State's what got us to where we're at, where we can be a consistent 500 team other than, like, one awful year that we all know the controversy behind Verlin getting canned. But um, I don't know. I It's weird because when I watch the games, I'm like, he might be the guy. Like, I'm starting to lean that we should hire him. And then I look at the stats, and I'm just like, man, compared – I just don't know if he can ever put together what Verlin did. I mean, do you think Kloss is going to be able to put together a 22-21 and 21 win season? You know, in, in for instance, in Verlin's, you count, get rid of last year. His last three years, 
He went 21 wins, 19 wins, 22 wins. I just God, I you have to go back to the 80s to when Idaho was winning. God, when was the last time they won 19 games before Verlin? The last time was 1990 was the last time they won 19 games before Don Verlin took over. And that was back in the big sky, of course. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm like you, a little tentative. Now, if he can get some of these games following his way and we can end the year with, you know, a de- like not last place seed in the tournament and win a couple and then do something that Verlin – that's his one major flaw he always had as head ball coach, win a conference tournament game. Uh, it could change my opinion. But, yeah, as of now, the way the season's going, it's a good story. Uh, but I want to see somebody else come in. But it, all it takes is a couple wins to totally change my opinion on that. So what the one thing that I – and this this actually will bring in football as well for a second – the one thing that I am concerned about Vandals doing, and it's different leadership, so hopefully uh, we, I mean, we're just going to have to trust that their search works. Mm-hmm. But we have made life hard on ourselves by committing when we see something looking all right over committing. So, like, you know, Paul Petrino wins a bowl game, and then he gets a huge extension to try to keep him there. At this point, a lot of most most people, it's not a secret. They know that a lot of the contributors to this show wish we had not created such a huge contract for Petrino. Yeah. Uh, newly getting extended is brain dead is a brain dead duck. He's been nothing but good at Idaho. Yep. And he had been at Idaho State prior, and he was pretty good there too. Yeah. Um, Don Verlin was mixed in that he had a. Look, we got we fired him with cause, but at the time, we couldn't have afforded to fire him if there wasn't the BS cause. Yeah, that was used. Yeah. Um, so I am. I want to make sure that. I mean, I'm hoping the search committee does not do the thing where it's like, oh my God, we're Idaho, we suck, we'll never get anyone. But this guy's been solid for us for a year, so let's give him a eight year contract. Uh, I want to. I want to see what our applicant pool looks I like. I hope we can't do that. Like, I, because even Paul, Paul was coming off a, a bull win, right? When we gave him the big <laughs> extension, like, if he wins, let's say even ten games this year, I don't think you're signing him to eight years when Paul only got what six after the bull. Oh yeah, uh, sorry. I I just throw him to eight as a just a big number. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was like, God, that would be not like an actual number, just a just a big number to look at as a huge commitment to a coach. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, apparently Roy Williams is asking to be fired from UNC. Um, Bill Self might be in a little bit of hot water for a couple different things. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Maybe one of those guys is just dying to take over Idaho. <laughs> but you're right. Maybe. Yeah, probably not. So. Um. um you know, the, some names that I, I know for sure I would not be shocked if they look at Jared Fay, who's an assistant at Idaho State. He had success at both North Idaho College and College of Southern Idaho at the junior college level. Mm-hmm. And then he just joined Ryan Looney at Idaho State this last year, yeah. which I don't know if that's that their version of we are looking to – he's looking to move into a different type of head coaching situation. Yeah. But he's been an Idaho guy his entire career. Yeah. And I don't know that – while we're tying in football in Idaho State, um, did you see the Rob Fennessy video? 
I did not, should I? So, no, I mean, it's, it's, so he has this video and it's circulating. I don't remember if it's on Instagram or Twitter, probably Twitter, but it's him and he's in like the head coach, basketball coach's office with the, like, all of a sudden you see him like pound his hands together. He's got a basketball and he goes, Hey, Bengals, like we got a big one tonight. Uh, I know I'll be in Reed. I hope you guys will be in Reed. Let's pack Reed and cheer these Bengals on to a victory. And I'm like, what? Like, that is a very, I always said he's the reincarnation of Rob Akey. And so that's obviously a very Akey thing to do. But, like, do you think we could ever get Paul Petrino to shoot? Well, obviously, definitely not anything on Twitter. But, like, something like just, we were talking about, like, getting attendance and how, like, it seems like Idaho State has an atmosphere now. How awesome mm-hmm. is it if you're a football person and you hear Rob Fennessy who most of them like, they're a little iffy on whether, it's kind of like achy, like, they like him as a person, they're a little iffy on whether he's going to work as the head coach, but, I don't know, I'm like, that's so cool, uh, and so easy, all he had to do was walk down the hall from his stinking office, and get one of the video crew people and go, hey, film me for 30 seconds real quick, I'm going to shoot a promo for the game tonight, like, I mean, I don't know, maybe he got paid for it, like, you know, they said, hey, we'll throw you up, four grand if you shoot this or I don't know how that crap would work but um I don't know I just I saw that and I was like that's so cool and I'm like how easy is that and Idaho hasn't done anything like that and it just makes me like Rob Fennessy even more yeah it does well I mean first off we've seen what look Paul Petrino's strength is not charisma no ring the bell like exactly I was about to say ring the bell if any any fans are curious what that means, just Google Idaho, ring the bell. Yeah. Spend tw- lose twenty seconds. Yeah. It's but fine. Set a new personal record for wasted twenty seconds. Ring the bell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ring the bell. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But uh, you no, know, it would be great because I think that for building our men's men's basketball and football attendance back up. I think it's going to be a multi-year project, and I think it will require enthusiasm not just from fans but from members of the athletic department. Yeah. Uh, uh, Terry, uh, Dr. Gollick can only do so much. Scott Green can only take so many shots, um, you know, at the corner club or during tailgating. Yeah. We, we need other people. The subtext is, is we want our games to become events. Yeah, I mean, and that are they kind of were – I mean, I forget the total years you were there, but uh... – were you there in, I believe it was 2010, when we played Utah State and beat them on ESPN? Yeah, yeah, that, that was, that 2010 was, was my last undergrad year. Yeah, that was a to-do game. Like, that was, I I remember my freshman year, the games were, even on weeknights, like, we would be happy to have on Saturdays now. I mean, I'm not going to yeah. say they were sellouts, because they weren't. I'm not, you know, I wasn't looking through silver and gold blinders but i mean i utah state was and like we had some games boise state was and like we had some games nevada even 2009 colorado state yeah like we oh i'm no i'm talking basketball oh okay sorry oh basketball yeah um oh yeah no the boise state games were huge yeah and the yeah beating utah state was huge yeah and then i remember like week weeknight games weren't always the best but they were better than we're getting on saturdays now but like you said like it was something where like in our fraternity, it was like we actually would get like 20 people to go to the basketball games. We had our own little corner um, on, what would that be, the west side of the dome 
we had that little corner, and they'd gotten rid of the corner too because they reconfigured how the bleachers get set up. But it used to kind of bend right there, and we just yeah, we loved it. We'd have it almost from the bottom where you could only fit like three people all the way up to three quarters of the way up to the top, probably with just people from our fraternity. It was like, and then like the the one of the other fraternities had like literally the spot right next to us, and they would bring you know fifteen to twenty to thirty people, and it's it's just so weird now that like. I tune in the games, and it doesn't look like there's barely any students. They're definitely not alumni. And then I think about, like, uh, you know, the little bit of when I was leaving college, how much I could tell how – I'm not going to lie. I was guilty of it, too. Towards the end of my stint in college, when I wasn't living on campus anymore, I was definitely less likely to go to basketball games. But that was more of a – I didn't want to have to drive, find parking, everything like that. But when I was living on campus, I – I think my freshman year, I only missed three home games. Like, they were fun. And I don't know what we have to do to bring that back. But um. Yeah, I remember. So, the o, Verlin's first year, uh, I was a hasher at AGD. So, I would just, ba- I would finish the dinner dishes and then just head over to Cowan Spectrum on foot. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, the Verlin show and everything that they used to shoot in houses and the dorm halls was. I mean, genius. It, it made the students feel invested. And I don't know, stuff like that. And we've talked about that a little bit on football, so it's probably sounding like repeat to some people. But, I mean, we'll get off. Both, all of our sports need some attendance boost, um, even the ones that are winning, like the women's basketball team. So uh, we just got a winning uh, – winning culture is infectious, and that's what it's honestly going to take. You win, people should – well, I guess maybe not. Montana apparently hasn't figured it out. So there is something you got to have going there too, but – I don't know. Uh, anyways, we're at about the hour mark. Um, anything else you kind of want to bring up? Uh, yeah, just some minor news, football related in the big sky. Ooh, I love fo- Oh, yeah, we're talking about the ex-Bronco, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yeah. For listeners, Jake Constantine, starting quarterback for Weber State the last two seasons, has entered the transfer portal. Yeah, which that is a deceiving – I know I want to keep this so much basketball related, but I'm on it, so I just love talking football. That is such a deceiving transfer because it's not actually that good. But you know he's going to get an offer from a school that he has no business getting an offer from. Like I'm not even convinced he was Weaver State's best quarterback last year. Um, I'm not convinced that Jay Constantine is good. Yeah. It's – which, <clears throat> I mean, do you have any shortlist schools you would think should keep – you? should keep an eye out to where you could see them going after him. Not necessarily um, places you think he should go, because I don't think anywhere we think he's going to go is where he'll end up. I think his name and what Weber did and what Boise State did, somebody will think there's something there and give him an offer. But my, I know my, for instance, my short two were Cal Poly, <clears throat> just because I'm under the assumption that, I obviously I'm a Jalen Hamler fan, but I'm not convinced Bo Baldwin is going to, Jay Hamler's not his kind of guy, um, where if you can get, like, a Constantine who's older, so then you can focus on recruiting at a young dude in the meantime. Um, and meanwhile, maybe Jalen's able to enter the transfer portal and go somewhere, like, a, a Kennesaw or somewhere that could utilize them. I think that. Uh, the other offer, I would say, is Utah State, just being it's a Mountain West school. I feel like most of the time when you enter a transfer porter, portal, kind of like Gresh Jensen, you're looking to probably go FBS, not stay FCS. Um 
So I, I could see him maybe looking at like a Utah State and staying. Because if I remember correctly, he was out of the Salt Lake area um, when Boise State signed him, which is probably why he went to Weber. So I'm imagining he's trying to stay close to home. I don't think he's Utah's dumb enough to do that, and I don't think BYU cares to sign him either. So the comparison that I would give you, did you watch much SUU football this year, Southern Utah? <laughs> I forgot they even existed, so no. <laughs> so you did not. Uh, their starting quarterback, he was number two in the conference in turnovers at, as a quarterback. We all know who number one was. We're going to do our best to not address that this time. He entered the transfer portal and moved to – He was he's going to FBS Eastern Michigan. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's going there to be a backup because he's doing what you're actually supposed to do with your graduate transfer, which is you use get it to get into a – yeah, you use it for your degree. Yeah. yeah. I expect that is probably what Jake Constantine's going to do. Yeah. Like you go to a school that is a little bit slightly more academically inclined. If you can tie the reputation of the school into it, then, you know, that's good. But, I mean, just look at Devontae Jenright and some people that we've had do it like idaho for instance is a better degree than western michigan and so that's why some people make it and it doesn't always work out as he left the team but um exactly so i I, i'm like you i'm convinced he's going fbs i just don't think a lot of fcs quarterbacks enter the transfer portal to stay fcs um because at that point i i just i don't know which leads to one last football thing I want to go over. Oh, I've got one more after this then. Well, we're okay. I'm, I have our conference schedule pulled up. Ooh. Okay. Do you know how many teams with new starting quarterbacks we play next year? Uh, I don't, but this will be helpful because I am currently writing an article in regards to some of our schedule. So this will be good. One, but, uh, UC Davis. Yep. Two, Montana. Yeah, that's true. Three, NAU. Unless they start uh, Cam Humphreys, because we did play him. Did we did, quite but well. definitionally, he's a new starting quarterback. Yeah. Dude. Idaho State will likely have a new starting quarterback as well. So was that one, two, three, four, at least five? Uh, Washington State. Oh, yeah, Washington State, too. Sorry, I was just looking at the conference schedule. We yeah our our football team has a ton of uh, new quarterbacks are going to be playing next year. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's see, I try not to bite the the sugar pill of. Oh, and likely Montana State. Sorry, I'm not trying to jump in. There's we have Idaho State, likely Montana State, Southern Utah, Northern Arizona, Montana, and UC Davis. Six Montana of our State? eight conference games. There's I... no way they keep Tucker Robin. He saw, he was not very good. Went to the semifinals though. They didn't go to the semifinals because of Tucker Rovig. They went to the semifinals because they're good everywhere else. So what you're saying is this is this is actually kind of a funny point. The two teams that went to the semifinals from the Big Sky Conference both will have lost their quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Constantine I, will leave and Tucker Rovig is going to get replaced. Yeah, That's well, because Montana State insane got the transfer about. from North North Carolina State. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, the NC State kid, but I heard I don't know. I was listening. I think it was the R and R Cat Cast guys who heard that he's okay, but not phenomenal. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, so the only returning quarterbacks we play in conference next year are Davis Alexander at Portland, and then Eric Berrier 
sorry, David, Portland State comes to Moscow. Yeah. So they play when Portland State comes to Moscow, Davis Alexander, and when we travel to Eastern, Eric Berrier. Yeah, because NAU uh, will have a new one. Yeah. Wow. Everyone's new. Yeah. And probably Western Oregon, too. <laughs> we could only be playing two returning starting quarterbacks next year. That's insane to think about. Um, and I have no idea what Temple is looking like yet. I haven't quite turned that page. But uh, while we're on the Jake Constantine stuff, this ties in really well to a tweet I made today real quick, and then we'll definitely wrap it up. Um, so Andrew Peters, or Andy Peters, a three-star quarterback from uh, Timberline High School in Boise, so my actual alma mater, just accepted a preferred walk-on. Um, the... Like I think it was today or yesterday, to Boise State, even though he had offers to Idaho State and, God, like a central Washington type, so a, D2, a decent D2 school, um, and then also mm. had, I believe, a preferred walk-on to Oregon State or took a visit to Oregon State and has decided to walk on at Boise State. Now, my opinion on this was he's actually, I'm like, why would, oh, yeah, he had the offer to Idaho State. Why would you not take the Idaho State offer? Because you're probably going to start. And then I remember that they signed Keegan Thompson, um, who I believe is the Rigby quarterback. Uh, so I think maybe, I don't, I don't, I don't want to speak for him, especially because they're 17, 18-year-olds. But I found it interesting that maybe he shied away from Idaho State because they seem to have a local kid. You know, Rigby's rather close to Pocatello, all things considered. I'd be like us getting a kid from, like, Coeur d'Alene. Um, so they got a local kid, and I'm thinking maybe he just doesn't want that competition, especially the way some of the stuff's played out in the state of Idaho the last couple of years. Uh, and then you don't go to Idaho because I'm assuming if he got a walk-on offer to Boise State in Oregon State – I hope to God Paul Petrino and company and Brian Reeder were like, oh, hey, if Boise State and Oregon State think he's good enough, we should probably, you know, kick the tires on him. Um, but it makes me wonder, like, is it maybe safe to say, and not in competition level, but Boise State coming into next year might have the least stable quarterback room? I mean, I know people like Hank, but – is he really that good? And I'm, I'm just thinking, like, if you're not going to take a, a scholarship offer to Idaho State that literally is in need of a quarterback but brought in another freshman, Idaho, who I think most of us believe that between Colton Richardson, uh, Nikhil Nair, and C.J. Jordan, we we have a guy. Um, that I find it interesting that he went to Boise State. I know being from Boise, that probably lays into it. But then it comes back to the whole point of, well, think about – some of the last quarterbacks from Boise State, they've transferred out Jake Constantine and Cam Humphreys, who are both in the big sky. So in a way, I was kinda like, I'm kind of bummed because I thought he would be cool to see in the big sky. But I don't think this necessarily means he won't be in the big sky. Um, which would then mean that in this quarterback class, we will have had UC Davis sign a kid from Idaho uh, I don't remember, like Payette or somewhere. Uh, you'll have Eastern Washington and Idaho State who have signed kids from Idaho. Then we have C.J. Jordan coming in from Oregon, which doesn't really tie in. And then there's a chance that Andrew Peters ends up somewhere in the big sky. Maybe Weber State, for all we know. For, but 
I don't know. The Andrew Peters, it just it made me think like walk on offer to Boise State instead of a scholarship offer to Idaho State, and then no even news about Idaho. That I don't know. I found it extremely thought provoking at my lunch break. <laughs> so well, no, I'm with you. What I would look at about maybe why wasn't a scholar? Why is part of your question like was is Idaho even into was Idaho even looking at the guy? Oh no, I I. I, I, I know we looked at him because um, he's on our thing. I'm just curious. I, I have no problem with his not offering because I think C.J. Jordan was the guy. And I know at the time we were looking for another J.C., not another high school guy. And I'm sure that was communicated with him. But I'm, if you have an option to – I guess when you say it like this, if you have an option to walk on at Idaho or Boise State, and if truly in your mind it is about I want to get on the field and give myself the best chance to play – and you chose Boise State. I, I don't think a lot of quarterback. I know maybe some like walk-on linemen and stuff like that go to a school so that they can be a part of something. I don't think a guy who is a three-star quarterback and had a couple different offers and preferred walk-on to a Pac-12 school chose Boise State for the experience. It makes me think he thought his best chance to start is at Boise State, which means he thinks that he might not be able to beat out like a Caleb Jordan or maybe even Keegan Thompson over at Idaho State. Now, that one might be because he's a local kid, but I thought it was interesting that I view it as he probably went to place he thought he was the best place to start, and he went to Boise State. Okay. No, I, I don't disagree with any of that. So one of the things I was looking up while you were talking is um, the we do have a QB offer. We have a scholarship offer out to a guy named Hunter Rackett. Who's a he's our he's a California junior college quarterback. Had initially went to Fresno State, then didn't see a path forward to playing. So then went JUCO. Has offers to, from Idaho and Lamar. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the guy were if the person you're talking about. Sorry, spacing on his name real quick. It's the first time I heard his name. Um, you go to a group of five school, you. Obviously, you can you become a drop down candidate potentially if you're not if you're not going to play. And there's a lot of schools that are game for drop down quarterbacks, even though a lot of them don't actually work out that well. Um, so power five drop downs don't always work out that well. The group of five drop downs did great in the Big Sky last year. Uh, Dalton Sneed and Kevin Thompson, both UNLV drop downs. Yeah. Um. But I, you know, I listen, speaking of Tutan Luanas, we yeah, I've listened to them. They actually they've gone over a ton of the Power Five dropdowns, and there's a lot that haven't panned out. But um, I if but circling back to your basic point, I would not be floored if we see that guy as a candidate at a Weber State later on. Yeah. Or Montana or Montana State. I mean, Montana State has needed a quarterback forever. It depends how much longer Choate's there. Yeah. But. Uh, I mean, we, we do have a lot of Idaho quarterbacks this year, uh, state of Idaho high school quarterbacks. Yeah, it's a good year for the the state of Idaho and quarterbacks for sure. Which one of the things I wanted to get to real quick, just and then just because I've heard some fans reference this, is being upset that Idaho State is getting a lot of the Idaho's FCS talent and Idaho's not. And one of the points that I saw people be upset about was that the Rigby guy went to ISU and not Idaho. Yeah, Keegan Thompson. But I don't know if those people are aware. Like, like we have 65 scholarships. 
if we have five quarterbacks on scholarship, um, then that that's a that's a huge that's a huge commitment to yeah. five scholarships where only one of them should play. Yeah, like I wasn't upset at all that we didn't get an Idaho quarterback. I'm happy we got C.J. Jordan. Um, yep. I just want to see it someone who's good and someone who looks like they're excited about being at Idaho. Yeah. To put to put it in perspective, though, real quick before we close it out, the number one prospect in the country. This just changed because it was Austin Bolt, uh, committed to Boise State. Uh, then we had a kid out of Middleton, the lineman, commit to UW. We have one person who's pretty much committed, uh, defensive end, committed to Utah. Then you get into the quarterbacks. The number one quarterback in the state was Andy Peters from Timberline. Three-star, point, .8299, and he got the walk-on. He's the one who took the walk-on offer to Boise State. Then you look at Keegan Thompson out of Rigby. He got the scholarship offer to Idaho State. And then there's Bo Nelson from Bishop Kelly, who's also a three-star. Not recruited yet. He's tied in rating with uh, Keegan. And then below them... Uh, is Shane Jennings, the kid from Gooding, Idaho, who committed to Eastern Washington. So he is higher rated than the commit to Idaho State and the commit to Eastern Washington, which is why I just find it so shocking that, like, an Eastern Washington type didn't even come. I I just, the walk-on at Boise State just, I don't know. I don't I don't know, you know, and we can't really reach out to these guys and ask them, but uh, it, just, it shocked me. It's like, you think... If they're not giving you an offer and you have an offer, like you can't beat out Keegan Thompson or anywhere in the big sky. Or, I mean, it could just strictly be, and it probably is. Um, I'm probably looking way too into it. That he is from Boise. Is probably, you know, originally from Boise, not a California transplant, and didn't want to leave if he didn't have to. If he could come play, he probably grew up rooting for the Broncos. So it's some you know fancy wet dream of his to wear the blue and orange like so many kids down in the COU. It's it's probably what it is, but uh, I don't know. I, I would have liked to see him because I think he could have been a stud at the SCS level. And like we said, the last three backups at Boise State have transferred and ended up in the big sky. So um, be interesting to see, that's for sure. Uh, anyways, any any closing points? Obviously, we did terrible at sh- sticking strictly to basketball, uh, so maybe that's a sign. Let us know. Nobody commented last time, so maybe we'll just roll until somebody says something. Um, the first hour of this podcast, if you like how that sounded, basketball-specific, let us know. We'll keep it. Otherwise, I think it's pretty obvious that if you get Brian and I together, it's too hard to not just talk about everything vandal football related and just one thing that i know we kind of talked about doing is being more the big sky off-season spot because nobody is really doing content in the off-season um and we can talk all big sky teams for the most part apparently other than southern utah (laughs) because i forgot they existed so uh you know maybe we'll just be that we'll be your your big sky one-stop shop for off-season news all things off-season football all things basketball um, in the podcast sphere, and obviously, as we've already plugged a couple times, to tell Nuanas, if Idaho's playing them or just in anything interesting, they do a really good job of covering everything Big Sky football and basketball. So, um, I don't know. You have any any closing points? Um, no, other than you know, uh, rate the podcast, guys. We don't ask you to do that often. Yes, we do. And um, you know, if 
if one of the ways you guys can support us, and if you're listening, I'm presuming you are interested in supporting us, is um, share links on Twitter, share links on Facebook, and uh, just make sure if there's a vandal in your life, ask them if they have listened to Tubs of the Club yet. Yeah, because um, I know you, you got to be out the Hopkins family. Shout out to them. The parents, the brother, the sister-in-law. Everybody in the Hopkins household downloads it and listens to it every week for us. So uh, if if you're out there and you can top the Hopkins six listens, five listens, let us know. But uh, it's a pretty impressive number that we're extremely happy that we have. Um, Which actually I do want to give one quick shout out. Okay. Well, two. One, my older brother who is a non – he didn't go to the University of Idaho. He is a regular listener. That's Michael. Nice. Shout out, and, Michael. And second – I don't know how you describe this relation of mine. He's from Michigan. He is he is married to my wife's aunt. His name is Ron O'Neill. Huh. He did not go to Idaho. He went to, I believe, Central Michigan. Listens to every Idaho podcast. So, Ron O'Neill, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, and, you know, we'd love to hear any stories from other people out there that have stuff like that. Um, but... Yeah, that, that's all we got. Um, I've got an article I'm working on. I actually have a couple ideas in my head. I'm trying to space out when I'm going to release each idea. But we should have some stuff on the website coming soon because as football season died, that kind of died. Um, so keep a lookout for that. Obviously, you can follow us on Twitter to find all those. Um, and then uh, just a reminder, if you are feeling down about football being over, and the Vandal basketball team, you know, basketball is where it's at, and you're ready for football. Uh, according to somebody who replied to Brian McLaughlin, the University of San Diego is starting spring practice on Tuesday, January 28th. So we are six days away, well, five days away from when you guys listen to this, um, to football officially being back somewhere that isn't the XFL. So... Uh, it will be back before you know it. It just feels longer than it is. But anyways, thank you guys for, for giving us another listen. Uh, and, yeah, I think this is the format we're going to use. It will be a little bit smoother because we won't try to pretend like we're not going to talk about stuff and then at the end talk about stuff. But, uh, yeah, uh, Brian and I or Brian and somebody or me and somebody will be with you guys, I think, every week going forward. Um, you know, we'll try to keep ourselves to that. But, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we will let the best band in all the land, the Sound of Idaho, play us out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.